Hello and welcome to this episode of the People Make the Difference, the Lorian podcast. In this episode, we are joined by James Alcock, fractional CTO from Freeman Clark. James shares insight to what a fractional CTO is, what is involved and how he works with a varied number of clients to achieve their goals. As ever, if you have any questions or would like to be featured on this podcast, drop us a note on LinkedIn. We hope you enjoy this episode. This episode, for the first time, I think we're, we're talking more on the technology landscape, which is unusual given that we're, you know, a tech specialist uh, solutions provider. Um, and we've got James Alcock with us today. He's a fractional CTO, someone I've known for a little while. So thank you for joining us, James. Cheers um, for having me. No problem. Would you mind yeah. giving us a bit of an introduction to yourself, your history and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So my background's in software. So 20 years of software engineering. And in the last probably about 10 years, I've been involved in IT leadership, uh, all still around the software kind of space. And most recently, uh, so in the last three months, I've become a fractional CTO uh, and I work with Freeman Clark to to uh, uh, to do that. Um, and pr- prior to that, I've, I've been in, in different sectors, so accountancy, asset investment, um, a little bit of um i did a bit of salesforce stuff as well around risk um that was a while but that's going back a bit now uh, so yeah so that's me so mostly software uh, related it leadership would be the kind of like summing it up piece <laughs> brilliant and when um in your software engineering days what was your favorite language to work with <laughs> back in the day so i i'm um i'm a microsoft developer so uh .NET was kind of what I was I, I cut my teeth on if you will uh back in the day I loved all I loved the front end side of things uh but I was full stack so I did I did I got involved with all sorts um and that's not uncommon for the uh that's not uncommon for the north it always like felt to us in our Laurie Manchester hub that um .NET was kind of the the Manchester language of choice oh Devil really world. Yeah, that's or maybe the Northwest thing. It felt like Java was was elsewhere. Uh, I, I would not be able to comment on that, but uh, it, it'd be interesting to see the stats to see if there's a north-south divide you know in, in, in tech stack. I'm going to write that down. Oh, You've given him an idea now. He's going to run with it. Because <laughs> oh. I've had that hybrid and work from everywhere. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no geographical boundaries <laughs> oh, you, do you know what that is so interesting you've given me an idea there i'm going to work out because i've been saying that for years that i think manchester is always more dotnet and java etc but it'd be good just to do almost like a a regional hotspot on languages wouldn't it um but interestingly a lot of the work i've been doing recently is for clients on like location analysis location hotspots and you'd think that it would have changed a lot and it really hasn't um okay over 50% of people who work in financial services work in London. But is that yeah. them working in companies that are based in London or is it them at, as in physically working? They're like there, home or location. It... Okay, it's interesting. So, and we've not seen much change throughout the whole time period. So um, despite a lot of talk of this, and I remember like Hired brought out a really good survey earlier on in the pandemic to say that actually if, organizations made remote work permanent that people would move out of cities to lower cost locations 
and would potentially even consider a salary decrease. But I don't know if it's just happened yet that people have have moved. Ah, because I've heard kind of the that anecdotally people are picking up London salaries but living in say Manchester and well I think that is actually what's happening that's and same as you anecdotally I get the sense that um it's just uplifted salaries everywhere a little bit and and interestingly then that then that goes out then to when you're talking to people outside of the UK that may traditionally have got paid less than the equivalent of someone in the UK doing it um and that, and that's that's going to have an effect and a com and an impact on uh, yeah. on the salaries as well. It's it it's, it's an interesting uh, thing because you know because of all the COVID and and lockdown and stuff. An interesting phenomenon that's going on, uh, which I think is a positive, um, especially for us in the north, right? Because we can... yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylee. Northerners the in the United States. Yeah, clearly. But I don't want to get down this rabbit hole too much because Absolutely. you know me and data I'll talk about it all day what we wanted to talk about with you today James was as a as a fractional CTO as a, as a tech leader the idea popped in my head that it'd be really interesting in a time of such great change in that if you were starting on a new project or a new contract or a or a new role with a, an organization what would be your priorities what would you focus on what what will your world look like in the first 90 days as a CTO um and that, and that I thought would be really interesting to to our our listeners. We talk about um, the role of CTO a lot, but it'd be great to really almost break it down and get into some of that detail a bit more. Um, for example, you know that day one in an organisation, what typically is your number one priority, and does that change regardless of the project? And how do you decide what that would be? Um, so, as a fractional IT, as a fractional IT director or CTO. Um, I suppose it works a bit differently to if you're a full-time permanent um, employee of a business. Um, so we would have already done due diligence and a lot of work with the client as, as part of the sales cycle, much like you would have us uh, you know, at Laurie and going in to, to work with your clients. Uh, so I've, I've, you've already got a good idea about the challenges uh, and there's usually a a specific reason why why a client would want to get you involved so there'll be something that they want to do or something that's perhaps not working for them so you want to go in there and help them fix those challenges and that's that's kind of like your initial engagement if you will uh, obviously once you get in there and you start lifting up the, the the hood and having a look underneath then everything changes a little bit uh, well not not always but th- there will be change uh, to, to what you originally envisaged day you know the things that that are happening on day what you know day one when you go in though it's for me it's about making those connections with with the with the people so i'll be working with the likes of the ceo and um change directors the cfo and people like that just to understand what what's going on in the business what are the challenges but you know it's a longer term conversation that you're not going to get some of the nuances out of people at day one um, and you need to build, you know, build that up. So it's about making those um, those initial, you know, good impressions, making those good good impressions. But also, if someone like me is going into a business, um, depending on the size and the makeup of it, there's going to be people in there that's wondering what's going on. 
so it's also I suppose communicating with those people they're saying you know I'm here to help and these are the things that that we think we're going to be, be be doing over the next x, x amount of months just to keep you know keep people on side and make them uh, feel comfortable with the change because no one likes change right no, traditionally <laughs> what's the typical like tenure um that you would be in at, um, a specific clients for so i like to build up long-term relationships so as a fractional so that essentially means that you're i would work uh maybe one or two days a week for for one client and i might have two or three clients on the go at the same time and i service those um, and the, the size clients that we work with that is a perfect amount of time to be involved in that kind of strategy and it really works for them with that model um so i, I typically i would look for long-term engagements and, and relationships so um although normally you'd go in to fix a specific problem like i said that then turns into a long-term relationship where you're you know working very closely as part of the team uh, uh, uh on the in with the exec um and the chief exec specifically to get everything uh, uh to get the strategy out uh, do, uh, created and implemented um so it could be anything up to you know the longer to the uh, i know at freeman clark the longer to there are people who have been in play, uh, in with clients for five years or more um wow. so i don't know what the average is but you know the uh, the, the longer term engagements are where where I personally would want to to be because then you're really getting involved and, and you can make a massive difference over time. I think what might be interesting to some people is that as a CTO they might think it's all technical priorities on day one but actually it's a it's actually like a people and change more than anything else on that day one really. I mean day ones yeah yeah uh, it's, I think generally speaking, people think technology is about IT and then the IT department and just the IT people, which is not the case. It is about those pe those those people and those teams. But it's also, if you think about technology now, technology and data and everything that's going on, that is embedded throughout society. So everything we do touches technology. So, um, and the pain points that people are going to be suffering with technology are probably not in the IT department well and if they are I'll, that's the sort of thing you can see and know about because that's what I understand and like you guys probably look at the recruitment side of things and go oh, actually this is not quite right you you'd know that intuitively because that's that's the department and area you work in if you it's talking to the the rest of the business so the business leaders the people on the call face that are delivering the operational teams that are delivering uh finance teams hr department they all use tech um and more often than not they'll uh, they'll be you know they'll have challenges with some or all of their tech and um, so that's where you help and it's about talking to people uh, from a cto point of view it's about talking to people and understanding what the challenges are uh, and then obviously aligning that with what's the business what's the business's goals and objectives, short term and long term and medium term as well. Uh, and how can you best align that? Um, I think when 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 I go in as a CTO, you 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 do uncover things that people haven't thought of. Uh, and it's not normally because you're not playing, you know, you're, it's not normally because you're playing with some tech or something. It's because of some process or uh, um, something that 
is causing friction uh, in process um, or being you know, unable to deliver on on change objectives and things like that. And sometimes I guess as well, it's perspective, isn't it? When someone else new comes into the business, your eyes and ears or your approach on certain situations is completely different to perhaps people that have been in or ingrained within the business for, for quite a, a period of time. Because you do work with a varied number of clients, do you have kind of traditional set goals or um, like a methodology that you would apply across all of those clients in your first kind of 90 days of getting in there? Um, so in the first 90 days, so I I don't think there's a set goal because everyone's different. Um, and like I said before, so you might you might know already um, or, the, or the, the client might want you to fix a certain particular challenge. So you kind of know what you need to do in that in that time. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, I've got my own kind of objectives that I think the business need to do. I just need to make sure they're aligned um, with what they actually need to do. Because as you go, everything things change, right? Um, but no, I don't think I don't think there's a fixed methodology you could follow every time. Um, but then life would be really dull, wouldn't it, if it was the same every time? Uh, but I think there's, there's parts of it that will be the same. So I, we, I, I see when you talk to people, you, you hear about the similar challenges. Um, so you know, IT systems not working, supplier relationships uh, a, a big issue, communication amongst siloed departments. Uh, you know, you see, you hear similar things that might need attention. Um, uh, but I think if you're going to boil that down into a you won't be able to write a process that you can go through that's in a detailed like day by day process um, and obviously 90 days for uh, someone like me in fractional I wouldn't be in the business for 90 days but 90 days would pass uh, over that time so I've got to work faster if you <laughs> uh, to get to that point as well yeah absolutely going back to um to like you got you got two or three clients that you could be working with any any week, James. From a tech perspective, when you're in those businesses for like short periods of time, and it, say it's a a real technological project that they're working on or assistance that they want, how do you best start to understand the tech landscape of of that company? Um, you know, the kind of as is state, if you will. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean. Even if you're full time, that sometimes can be a challenge because the you know you, if you're talking to businesses that um, you know are sizable um, and maybe they've gone through lots of acquisitions and they've inherited systems here and there, it is it can be it can be a challenge to get on top of that. But in terms of understanding, more often than not, in the the businesses that I would work with. There'd be some people there who are who some IT people there already, so there'd be some idea of what's going on. Um, uh, so it's about to get again. It's about talking. If, if that information is not there, it's about talking to people um, within the business and other stakeholders, talking to the uh, suppliers, working, understanding the, the the what's going on. I mean, I, I'm quite visual, so I understand tech. Uh, CTOs will generally, well, 
definitely at Freeman Clark, the, the CTOs will understand tech to a deep level. So you kind of have a once you've seen one one thing, you'll have an understanding of of how it's gonna of how it's gonna pan out. So you can use that kind of now. Now, if there's there obviously, and then I've, I've got a network of people I can lean on as well. So if I've got questions around something perhaps I'm not familiar with, uh, then there's other people that I can go and talk to, and that and that's something that you wouldn't necessarily get as a full-time permanent CTO because it's a very kind of like lonely position um, as, a, as, a, as a permanent CTO because you're there potentially working on your own. Some businesses might have multiple CTOs and stuff, but generally speaking, you might be on your own and that's more difficult to do. It's always good to be able to run ideas past people. Yeah, I can I can definitely appreciate that. It probably is quite unfortunately a lonely place at times. Um, do you find that there's any um, like common pitfalls um, that you've seen um, technical um, leads take, and and how would you advise kind of going around that or improving that? Uh, yeah, so I think again it comes down to communication. Um, so I, I mean in in the past I've seen. Uh, sort of new C CTOs and CIOs come into businesses. Obviously, that's a, it's a it can be a big deal when someone like that comes into a business. Um, and I mean, I, as an example, uh, I've, I've, I saw one particular individual come into the business and didn't engage with anyone within the IT team. And some of them people will have been direct reports to that person. Um, so they didn't engage for a couple of weeks, which then puts people on edge um and you know you, you people will wonder like because you know it's change so people will wonder what's you know, what's going on uh you know is my job safe all of those kind of things um i thought that was really badly uh badly done by that person uh, and that was that was a, a while back in my career that i i observed that um and i think uh, yeah so not communicating with your people and having having an agenda because you've kind of got to prove yourself when you go into any job to any role uh, no matter where that what, what that is you've got to prove yourself but I think you've got to do that and it's got to be right for the, the the business and the team and not just to your own agenda so um you know not you don't want a quick win for a quick win's sake Absolutely. I think it's, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Especially coming into any new job. It's finding that balance of not kind of bulldozing through because obviously you've got people there for, who've been there for a while and obviously people don't like change. So it's finding the balance of how to communicate appropriately your ideas and how you want to make change, but obviously not um, putting people's noses out of joint, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not out of joint. I think it adds a little bit of fear to people. People really do worry about Thing and and quite rightly as well. They you you worry when there's change. So as much as you can do to to avoid that, and that's that's the lower that's look. I suppose as a CTO, that's looking down at people that perhaps re report to you, um, or people that report to the people that report to you. And then there's they're looking up as well. So you're looking at the uh, the people that you're working with directly. So you're t you're talking about working with the board and the the exec. That's a different. That's a I suppose that's a different thing as well. Uh, and it's about communicating with them. You have to get the balance right because you're a leader. And I think leadership, uh, there's big questions around leadership. Again, could be a whole different topic uh, for, um, 
for, for conversation, but it is it's important to get that to get that right. A question that just occurred to me, James, is obviously, I mean, things things have changed rapidly in the last few years. Never mind, you know, in your career before that. Um, what do you think the kind of CTO of you know the future, say in ten years' time, looks like? What do you think that role looks like then? Sorry to put you on the spot a bit with that one. That is that is putting me on the spot. Um, so assuming that we're not all AI robots, uh, <laughs> or something like that. I used um, to say we're not already. That's you know. <laughs> well, that's I've got some questions over some people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's advanced. Um, <laughs> the future CTO. So that is a really good question. So I mean, it could be that um, if you look at the technology and, and things that are out there, it's about knowledge around what are those those things and you're as a CTO you're a business person as as much as a technology person so it's been aligned to that and been aware of of that um do you think it's going to be more more like CTO I mean I, I've seen it they're more business they're becoming more and more business as the years go by do you think that's just going to only increase essentially that, that obviously they, they are going to be you know technically aligned but you know they are more business than, than tech, if that makes sense? Uh, well, it depends on the, the organisation they're in as well. Um, but generally, I think you need a, a, a high degree of technical knowledge and have the ability to be able to understand technical things. Um, so I think if you've got, if you can do that and then you can then mix that with uh, you know other skill sets be you know being able to deliver programs and uh, you know work with investors and and all of, all those other other things that you might need to do as a senior leader within a business mentioning ai briefly just cast my mind back to yesterday i was speaking to a tech provider and they were they were approved independently vetted by the university of technology in sydney for being providing like ethical ai in their in their tool it wasn't an AI tool, but the AI in the tool was, was ethically better. Then I don't know if this is the AI overlords trying to tell me that, trying to get into my head to tell, you know, kind of convince me it was all ethical. But I'm sure I saw something on the news yesterday or even today straight after about, I think it's become, going to become more of a standard, isn't it? That um, there has to be kind of some third party certification on, on ethical AI within systems. Um, so definitely something to watch out for. Absolutely. Anything... Anything where a computer, where you're kind of like training a computer to do something for you, um, it's, it, you, you need that oversight, definitely. Did you guys see that? I mean, I'm going way off topic. Did you see <laughs> did either of you watch the Fear <laughs> Index? Did you watch it? No. It was um, Josh Hart that was in it, and basically he um, was like an investment banker and created this system that was like raking in the investment bank millions and millions um i'm not selling it very well but it's really really good really good recommend it i'll put it on the watch um, list yeah get it on the list it was good you you definitely enjoy it james i can see you enjoying it um <laughs> what is it kind of putting the 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 serious side stuff to one side what is it that you really enjoy about what you do james why are you you know progressing down this route why have you stayed in tech for so long you know what what brings you back day after day what what do you like most about it um, so 
I mean, to be involved in tech now is is amazing. Like if you think about every, like I said before, everything that everyone does across the globe has some kind of technology involved with with, with that day to day in business and in in life. Um, so it's a really good, interesting space to be in. It's fast paced um, and it's moving forward. Um, from a CTO point of view, um, that interests me because I'm interested in kind of like the business side of things and the innovation side of things as well. Uh, and you get to ut utilize those kind of skill sets, uh, the innovation side of things to make things happen. It's also quite, you know, it's high stakes from a business point of view. Because, um, you know, I'm brought in to make stuff happen. Um, you know, it's it, and it's a big deal for, for, for the clients that I work with that things work for them and we make progress, whether that's saving money or introducing new systems or creating ways to be more innovative um, using, using technology. We have to give him a name check because the podcast is named after his most oft used phrase. But RMD David, he, he <laughs> says it all the time that all businesses are tech businesses now. Um, so I guess in, in your industry, in your role, you're essentially just at the centre of everything, aren't you? I guess, which is brilliant. You can make things happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go back like 20 years ago when I was at uni, people um, and studying computer science, um, it wasn't cool yet. It was just about to be cool, uh, which is a shame, right? <laughs> uh, I could have done with a bit more cool factor. But um, it's, it's now, if you look, if you, you know, it, it seems that uh, it, might, it might be just because that's the, the industry I'm in, but everyone's doing tech. Every, you know, there's a lot of people involved in tech um, and and that's really good to see. And, you know, it's it's a really positive move forward for society as a whole. You know, we're doing cool tech jobs um, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's definitely very exciting. Uh, I guess from the position that you're in, um, as much as you maybe you probably won't agree, you probably have made a difference to quite a few people. Um, and following the kind of the name of the podcast, the people make the difference. Who's made the difference to you? Right. So I, I kind of knew you were going to ask this and I did some thinking about it. And, you know, loads of people have made a difference to me um, through the years. And I think I have to really think about this because <laughs> the the person that's made a difference to me most and is is probably my wife Ilona. Uh, and that You've got is, some brownie points there. But she's super smart, super intelligent, and she just complements kind of my skill set, uh, and hopefully she would feel the same. <laughs> Uh, so people do call us Team Alcock. So uh, she's she's definitely made the most difference to me um, in that sense. Like the the things that I have learned from her are kind of next level because of the way she she thinks is different to the way I think. So that would be my answer. But I didn't want it to sound like soppy. <laughs> but no, I think that's, not that's at the all. Truth, that is the truthful answer. Uh, yeah, we've we've all met her, and we would definitely uh, <laughs> definitely say that as well. She uh, definitely knows her stuff, and uh, yeah, she definitely makes a real difference as well. Um, if I was going to be facetious. I'd be saying, yeah, but it really has made a difference to you, James. But I know, <laughs> I know, in your case, it's true. 
she's a she's a force of nature. Um, I like, yeah, she's Ilona is brilliant. We're all we're all big fans. She's been Absolutely. she's been she's been a lot for me for Lorian. So yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I, people always get nervous about getting asked that question, and it's, I always it's a tough them. one to answer because it, it like, is. You do come across a lot of people that you, you yeah. know you really respect and, and admire and have helped you uh, and it's uh, yeah so you want to like list them all don't you but no well there's it... hundreds and hundreds <laughs> but the good news is like no one listens to this anyway so <laughs> so you're safe <laughs> i don't know and there's going to be at least one listener because i've got to make yeah. my own to listen to it exactly <laughs> exactly um but no yeah on a serious note i mean i think i think people do hesitate to say their their wives husbands partners whatever because they i think they worry that or oh, it's a it's a bit soppy but it's not because they're the you know i think that teamwork element is so big isn't it but thank you so much for your time this afternoon james i know it's all been a bit of a bit of a whirlwind but i think that was really interesting and not just the insight into you as a as a cto but i think the fractional cto bit is super interesting as well so great chatting with you and thank oh, you no problem it's been fun thank you for having yeah me. agreed thank you so much